0: And welcome to the Rock Out of Podcasting. I am indeed the Rock Out of Podcasting, Charles McFall. Real quick, before we get started, I want to hear your questions. This is an Ask Me Anything show, and I share my stories and my passions and and maybe give you a different way to look at the world. So the way you can do that is hit me up at bearcrawling at gmail.com. You can go to facebook.com forward slash podcasting and leave your question there. You can go to Twitter. It's at rockoutapod and Twitter me a message or go to charlesmcfall.com. Actually, no, you can go to com also directly and click the speak pipe there and leave a message. So we'd love to get your questions. But until then, we come up with them ourselves. And this one, Mike himself has actually come up with. What do you have, Mike? Well, sir, over the course of uh, several episodes, I think even if you go back to the very first Episode of Rock God of Podcasting. Um, we've you talked about emotions and feelings and that kind of stuff, and and you're not you're not one to shy away from that sort of thing. Uh, um, what I'm interested in in this particular episode is what makes you happy, man. What what puts a grin on the Rock God of Podcasting's face? What what makes you little do a do a happy little dance? So there are a lot of interesting things that come with that. Um, Just be prepared, kiddos. (laughs) It might go into areas that you may or may not like or feel comfortable with. And that's why there's on most podcast players, there's a nice little skip ahead 30 seconds. Uh, So what makes me happy? It's such an interesting question there. And a lot of positive feelings will probably play into this. Satisfied, um, you know, whatever. But... The first thing that definitely comes to mind is, is kid, my kids and when they do the cute stuff. I actually, this past Sunday, uh, everybody went with me to my Sunday gig, which is at Metron in Atlanta, and stuck around, and Ryland got up in my lap and was just hanging out, and we took a picture together, and it was just a lot of fun. I mean, they can drive me crazy, don't get me wrong, for sure, but when, they, when, when the little one, Zoe, who's the youngest, she will... She will come up with a concept that at four, three, at three, she really shouldn't understand, and yet she uses it somewhat appropriately. It is just so cute. And my boys, I can't help it. when they get in trouble, they start doing that grin thing that I used to do when I got in trouble. and it just makes you smile like stop smiling. you're making me smile. There's stuff like that. you know, then it goes it goes beyond honestly. I love, I love being recognized for my talent and my work. I love when somebody tells me that something I put my heart into, you know, a podcast or, or I've been doing some pictures lately, just, I don't know, I got the bug a little bit and got, finally got an app that it works as advertised. You know, you'll see these advertisements in Instagram or on Facebook, you get this new photo app and it shows you all this great stuff you can do. And either it's a paid app, which I don't. I, I I would love to see a demo of things on, on iTunes. I use the iOS stuff. So on the iTunes store, I would love to get a demo or a, a trial version. Sometimes they do that. They'll do a free version and a paid version. I just want to try it out to see if I'm going to like it because there's so many apps out there that I look at and go, oh, it's going to do this. And then I get it for free. And it doesn't do that. And there's no way to do that. It just... Either I misunderstood the advertisement or it was somewhat false advertising. So I'm not going to go and pay $3, 4 $5 to try out an app knowing that I will more than likely not like it because of my history with trying the apps. So I'd like to be able to try it. But this one is called VIVV Viv, and it came up and I almost didn't try it because I've tried so many different photographic apps that their ads promised it would do this and that. And I love, I don't know, I just... I love being able to do cool artistic things that most people don't want to do. Or I, I don't know how to explain. It. I just like doing certain things in certain ways. And I see an app that makes me think, oh, I can do that. And then I can't. And like, all right, well, fine. Or it doesn't quite give me the level of control that I need. I'm very, I'm very picky about those kind of things. And I, it, it makes me happy when it works. So this app, Viv it works and what it does is it just isolate colors and it lets me paint a picture. Like I, I take a regular picture, right? And I can either take it with color removed first and see what it looks like. Uh, there's definitely different ways to mess with it, but it lets me go, Oh, what can I do here? And Oh, what can I do there? And, and that creative process of just finding out the new, I love that. I love finding out the new and for it to hold up to finally get in that, you don't understand I've been on Instagram since basically day one, and I use it some. I use it, you know, basically to promote what I'm doing and and put out pictures of my life and this and that and the other. I don't really, I follow a few friends and a few coolnesses out there, but I don't, I never use social media the way a lot of other people use it. It's, it's, it usually ends up being a one way thing. Facebook being somewhat of a, a difference there whereas i, I like the messaging because i can talk to people i like that i can ask questions and get answers i like some of the interaction on facebook but for the most part twitter and instagram and all that stuff is just going to be one way it's going to be me putting stuff out there and instagram has simply been a photo app i can't really yeah they got some filters and they got some things and it's okay but it's never let me I was never creative. I'd never felt creative, and when I got this app, I've been putting that out there, and I, oh my god, I love I love just seeing the hearts come up. People are liking it. People who who see my stuff all the time, you know, they follow me. I got I don't know I got a ton of followers on Instagram. But I don't get a ton of likes, and I'm not worried about the numbers. I love that people are actually interacting. See, that's something else I really love is interaction. You know, when I worked, <laughs> I've had a lot of different jobs in my life, and. Mike said I could go into the dark places if I wanted to, but I, I'm not going to necessarily. But the quick version is I lost a job that was a career-level job, right? It was it was respectable. And, and, yeah, I put on this fake voice because that's a whole other show. But this, 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 well, it's my show, I can say this. The shit that we get told that about our lives and the shit that we get told is respectable, not respectable, and this is better than that is just the biggest load of bullshit ever. And I lost a respectable job. And the only thing I could get to pay some bills at the time, I was single, I was young, but the only thing I could get at the time was a job at Taco Bell. And it was, it was, all right, I'll take it. Because I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make my life move forward. But then it... I want to, (laughs) you know what doesn't make me happy, Mike, is when some local number keeps trying to call my Skype number, even when I hang up on it, when I don't get Skype calls ever and down the middle of trying to record something, I get one, but (laughs) I'm going to leave that in as part of the show because, you know, Allah made me laugh, so that made me happy a little bit. Weirdest things will make me happy. Uh, I like to make people squirm. I'll get into that. But talking about Taco Bell, so when I'm, I, you know, when I'm in my head, right, when I'm alone, I am the warrior, man. I will do whatever it takes to make life happen, to get what I need to get. And while through my life there has been some false pride and some false shame, and that might get into with the show about the, what we're getting told about our lives and this and that and the other, I truly don't hold pride or shame. Now, I am proud of some things I do, but who I am is not based off of what I do. So to lose that job and go work for Taco Bell, in my head, it wasn't that big of a deal. But then I did have to to face some people I used to work with. That sucked. But here's what I'm getting to. What made me happy was the interaction. I loved, everywhere I go, I become a legend. And actually, in the interview for Taco Bell, the, the manager was like, you're way too qualified for this job. There's, there's the only reason I don't, that's the only reason I don't want to hire you is because I know you won't be here long. I said, here's the promise I make to you I'll work here until I find another job and I will give you a full two weeks notice before I leave, period. I won't disappear on you and I'll do the best job I can while I'm here. And she goes, you know what? That's fair enough. And because I, I was a, 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 I don't know, I was in my early 20s. I had been a, well, I was a trained EMT. That was a job I had lost. I was an EMT on an ambulance. I'll tell that story some other time. Because uh, it didn't make me very happy at all. So it doesn't fit this show. But I went in and I loved working with the people. And I loved working the drive through window. Because I didn't really have to look people in the eye. Because I was still ashamed a little bit of my job. I was still a little bit... I, I definitely had some false shame there about, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm working behind the counter at a fast food place. And I could have, I could have had a career there if I wanted I mean I could have been, been a manager. I could have done a bunch of things, but I was, I knew I was just passing through then, but I did. I love talking to people and I find, man, I, I do. I try to find the things that make me happy in a job. What, what lets me have fun and people let me have fun. The worst job ever. Okay, I got you. I got. I got to put this out there. The worst job I had ever was I worked for an online company that handles these phone calls for these shopping places. Uh, The the direct stuff that you see at night. It used to be Girls Gone Wild or Power Ballads. I'm not even sure it's, it's doing much anymore because I don't have cable. I have no idea. But you, know, after 10 o'clock at night, you see these messages, call this number right now, and you'll not only get Power Ballads of the 80s, you'll get Monster Rock hits, Rock hits of the 90s, you know, <laughs> those kind of things. And that number, you know, I was the person on the other end of the line sometimes. Uh, And it is an online company that handled people like Shop NBC and the Home Shopping Network and and this and that. So I was an operator, essentially. But what I hated is nobody ever wanted to interact, right? They just want to call up and order their thing. So I'm sitting in my home, staring at a screen, waiting for a phone call to come in. And then I had to, to push crap nobody wanted. Here's Out of that story, here's what I do love. I love, for lack of better words, helping others be awesome. I can sell. I'm an amazing salesman. But what hinders me there is I'm not a slime ball. I'm not a sleaze bag. I'm not going to try to push you into something that I know you don't need. I am going to say, no, no, no. You can trust me because, look, you no, no, no. You don't need that $500 bullshit right there. Don't worry about it. Don't get monster cables for 50 damn dollars. They're the same cable as everything else. Uh, within reason, get this ten dollar cable. It'll do the job. It'll do exactly what you want it to. You have the crisp picture, the great sound, blah blah blah. I can do that. I can. Uh, I, I've worked so many different sales jobs, but I left every sales job because instead of letting me be good at what I do and let me help people and sell them what they need and because i met their needs they might give a want wow well, you know oh that's i trust you so what do you think about this I, I i'll give you the comparison i think it's a cool thing i think it's fun to do but you know by comparison this one that's ten dollars less fifteen dollars less will do the same thing you know here's the benefits and i'll let them decide i did the same thing as a paramedic i got uh one of the mandates we had was everybody goes to the hospital because we are a private ambulance service I had a slight problem with that. Not a huge one, and because they weren't really money-grubbing. The idea was, too, we truly, and this is true in all medicine, uh, even through doctors, we don't always know what's going on inside of a person. And because we can't be 100% sure what's going on, especially at the street level where we can't look inside a body with machines, we can just read things and ask questions and, and do surface stuff, the idea was... You should always try to transport somebody. I never try to talk anybody out of it. I also disagreed with that. We had paramedics who would who just didn't want to take people to the hospital. And maybe they were right in their assessment of somebody, but they're mostly lazy. And so I would always say, here is your decision. And I would tell people, you don't worry about the money. Money is not an issue here. Because like, oh, I don't want to. Da-da-da. I'm worried about the cost. Do you need to worry about your health? Are you feeling this way? Is this what's going on? I don't talk money. I don't give you rates. I don't know any of that stuff. My job here is to worry about your health and give you the best care possible. What would you like to do? And I did like helping people that way, for sure. And that's how I was in sales. That's how I've been everywhere. I I didn't leave paramedic medicine because of that. I left it for a whole different reason. Uh, But sales I leave because everybody always wants you to upsell and push. And I actually, man... I actually had to do something i didn't like to, not that long ago because of that but that's neither here nor there so i do have a tendency to tell the stories that piss me off <laughs> like, i don't know my wife definitely makes me happy man when i can when i, I i'm to say man a lot in this episode apparently i have no idea why it's a crutch that's coming out but when i can when i can make her laugh that is the best thing in the world when she can make me laugh that is the the craziest thing in the world and i want to talk about pushing some buttons because it's going to bring me back around to the way my wife makes me laugh sometimes but i love i do i love watching people squirm it's still a a dark pleasure that stays with me it's if, if i'm dexter that's my dark passenger is that I like to hit buttons because I can see them, I can smell them, I can just read what's going to piss you off or what's going to make you push you into an uncomfortable area. And the longer I know you, the more comfortable I am hitting those buttons, sometimes in a soft way. I do it on my wife a lot because uh, she goes around saying, not a lot, not a ton of times, it's not her mindset, but especially when she's tired, she'll say she's fat, she says she's lazy, she'll say these other things. And like the other day, when she's in a good mood, I'll hit that button just to show her, like, you got to quit saying this. And I've said that to her, quit calling yourself this, you know, this and that and the other. And so I do try the positive speech to her. But every once in a while, I'll hit the button just to show her how dumb it is to say that. And uh, Oakland, my oldest, had basically eaten all my favorite cereal, which is Lucky Charms and he swore there were some downstairs because so my wife keeps a huge stockpile, and she's amazing at her deals, and but I knew there wasn't, and sure enough, I went down to the basement and looked, and I made Oakland come down, and he looked. He knew I was going to do something to him. He kept trying to dodge and get out. I like, no, no, no. I got you trapped. And I picked him up, and he's 11 years old. I picked him up, carried him up the stairs, tickling the whole time. He had to keep ducking and stop fighting because he was going to hit his head. <laughs> so I had that advantage because I didn't stop messing with him. I just you know made him stop so he wouldn't hit his head and uh, my wife was like i can't believe and she's all having everybody's having fun she's like i can't believe you carried him all the way up those stairs in your old age so she hit that button right she's been trying to poke that uh because i i do i have the belief that i'm gonna live for a very 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 long time and by that i mean i haven't even gotten started yet people you know the you, you can you can you can say all kind of bs about why our lives are shortened or longer and you can use religious to say well nowhere in the bible by the way does it say truly that oh you only live this long because somebody tried to tell me oh the bible somewhere somewhere the bible says that you only live 120 days or something like that or 120 years yeah i really because i i know we have records of people living longer so is god wrong i mean come on I think it's a belief system. I've seen this happen where people are spry and young and healthy, even at 80 and 90. And then somewhere in there, they believe that they're old or maybe they lose a spouse. That's a big one. You lose a spouse. It takes it out of you. And then you know, I saw that happen to my grandfather. He was just this guy who did everything and lived on his own. and And when his wife died, my grandmother, when his wife died, it changed him. It changed him into an old man who just got into this tiny little habit. And that's that's another thing. When you see a small world, you live in a small world. And I'm like, you know, I've barely even begun. And I'm approaching 40, and I don't even think about it. I mean, I really have to think about how old I am when somebody asks. And when somebody's like, even a young person, like, oh, my kids like to pick at me, like, oh, you're old. I'm like, I have not even gotten started. You don't even know. You don't even know. I'm gonna live for a long time. So anyway, my wife said, "In your old age, you carried him up the stairs." So like, and I said this, like, "I'll pick your fat ass up," which is something we do from time to time. Um, and the fat ass part was the poking at her button because she, we all, we both feel overweight from time to time. But I won't call myself fat. I mean, in honesty, like my son saw my belly button, they like, goes, "Why does your belly button look like a butt crack?" <laughs> like, because I have a lot of fat on me. You know, uh, you know, we talked about that, but I will feel like, uh, I really need to lose weight. And I do, I really need to lose weight, but I won't say, Oh, I'm fat because that's just a, that's a horrible way to use words. I love what makes me happy is using my words appropriately and feeling that and feeling the power in the words when I use it. And anyway, I I told her I'd pick her fat ass up, which of course the picking thing is since the day we, we dated, since, since she was 18, well, actually, I guess she was 17 when we started dating. I was 22, whatever. It's five years difference, so I could do the math, but I'm going to stop right now. I'm on a train, man. I got my brain going. I'm good. So I, I, I've, I have always been this big guy, and girls typically like it when I pick them up. You know, guys sometimes like it when I pick them up. Uh, my friend Jay Soderbergh, who is a grown-ass man, I don't know if he likes it or not. He didn't hate me for it. I could pick him up, and he is a pretty big guy. But I just – sometimes I love being that giant, to truly understand my strength, going, oh, you mere mortals can't do what I can do. Okay. <laughs> you know, I saw a shirt one time that I refused to wear because it says the wrong thing, but it says, I may not be smart, but I can lift heavy things. And I'm a genius. I know I'm smart. And when I say I'm a genius, okay – I tested when I was young, I did one of those I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's an IQ test or what whatever they did, but I tested out as borderline genius. I mean, I was right there on the line of being being that, but I was highly distractible. Go figure if you've ever met me, right? And I've actually worked on that a lot is to to be less distracted and to be able to to listen to all my thoughts and all the trains that my brain takes and still listen to you and and still be able to do things. So, I know I'm smart, but yeah, I can lift heavy things, and I, I do. I like I like blowing people away by picking things up sometimes. And my wife has always hated being picked up. It's it's her own sense of control. There's things that she's definitely working with, and uh, you know she's she's always gone dead weight on me. I think I picked her up once, and it freaked her the it freaked her the fuck out. Man, she did not. I mean, she was mad at me i mean angry at me for doing that back then and she knows from time to time i still tried and a lot of times she sees it coming or actually every time she sees it because it's not like i can sneak up and just pick her up without hurting her and I, I obviously wish to to not hurt her to avoid that so she'll go dead weight on me and she did of course the other night she she went dead weight on me and i waited until I, I like i tricked her a little bit so i hugged her and she's like all right she kind of she kind of knew what was coming she was kind of letting her guard down a little bit and i grabbed her in a way that I could pick her up a little bit even being dead weight and i mean it just it, it was just a fun thing it was just a fun thing but she i'll use her words back to her that's her button she'll say stuff and i'll hold it in my head for a little while and then a moment will come up, and I'm like, "Oh!" And I'll say her words back to her, and she'll know it's her words, It's the way I deliver it. It's the maybe she remembers. It's not in a fight. It's not in anything like that. It's just in a moment, like, "Oh, really? How about this?" And she's like, "Shut up!" And she'll do the same thing for me. She'll say, "Shut up," whatever. So the biggest one that was so hard to be around was Ricky. You know, Ricky Robinson, Our Morning Mod for those of you who are Success Freaks fans or listen to What a Relief podcast. He's got so many buttons. He's got so many buttons to hit, and he he doesn't understand the itch that it creates in my brain to when I hit a button just to just to have a fun reaction. And people do it to me, and I I think it's hilarious. It's it's my son from time to time has learned to sneak up and hit me, and it hurts. And instantly I'm mad, and then I start laughing because I realize what he's doing. It's it's what I've done to him. It's just every once in a while you surprise somebody. And yeah it's going to sting a little bit he's learned to and this is Oakland so he's old enough to learn to to tool back his his strength so he's not trying to hurt but he is trying to surprise me and I'll tell him he got me he got me he's gotten me a couple of times with that and with other different pranks that he's done and he, he loves that to death right and I'm man enough to say that's funny I said it did sting but I know when I do it to you it stings so you know that was good. And you only do that to me because your mom absolutely says she has wants no part of that, and most people wouldn't react well to that. So it's it it just man, I it, when I see somebody like Harmonic at mom with so many buttons, and I'll hit him by accident, and it'll still make me laugh, which pisses people off. You know, I, I I made a statement to him one day. I'd heard a rumor, and I honestly believe this could be true. And he, because he, of the way he reacted, I heard a rumor that back in the day, uh, that he and somebody else had had a competition to bed a certain type of girl. And it wasn't a great rumor. And it was definitely a, kind of a despicable practice, but I could see it happening. And uh, when I mentioned it to him, all, it, we weren't on the air, we weren't anything going on, we we're just sitting up in my studio. And I mentioned it to him. He lit up like he was going to fight me. I mean, he got so angry so fast, just rage, which, which does tell you that something went on to me. It does say something went on that I hit this innocent little button that you, you could have been like, no, no, that's just stupid. I wouldn't do that. But it did. And you, you raged up. But what made me laugh was that, I mean, he, did, he had all that energy, like, I'm going to punch you in the face. And of course, he was a little, you'd ha- he'd have to make steps to do that. And he is so little. Compared to me, and I—he's I, wiry, but I would crush him in a heartbeat. I just started laughing and laughing, which made him even more angry instantly. And then he started laughing too. And I was like, "Dude, that's not a good button to have." I mean, if I, somebody who wasn't there and really doesn't care either way, could say something to you, and you want to fight me, and I'm three times your size, and you know that I have no problems putting somebody down, you know, I—I'm I, not a violent guy. You know, I, I, I am not. I am the person who would talk to you. And I will talk to you till I'm blue in the face. But if you won't listen, if you cross that line or if you force violence, oh, I'm way better at it than you are. I have zero problems because I don't fight to defend myself. Uh, I don't fight, you know, to, to do I, – I, I don't know any other – we could sit down and analyze different types of fighting and, and figure out words for it. But no, what I do is I'll put you down in a heartbeat. Because I go home in the morning. My ultimate bottom line is my family is important and I'm important to them and what I do is important. Therefore, I refuse to let you jeopardize that. Therefore, I'm not going to punch you in the face. I'm going to destroy body parts very quickly so that I know you're not getting up. That's, that's, and he knew that about me. And, and so I was like, it's just funny that that was your gut reaction was to kind of bow up a little bit, clench fists, and act like you're going to. You know that that whole vibe was I'm going to hit you, and very quickly he, he controlled that. <laughs> there are certain so I never I didn't hit that one intentionally. That was an unintentional button press, but it did make me laugh. It does. It brings me it brings me pleasure, not to see him angry, but to see people squirm and see people realize that maybe what they're doing is 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 a little silly. The the most recent one though with him, which will bring me back to my wife and how happy she made me is that I watched a movie called uh, Vacation. And it's, it's the, I think they call it a sequel reboot, where it's new people, but it's still in the same universe. So the, the original movie was National Lampoon's Vacation. And they're driving across country. And Anthony Michael Hall was the older boy in that, there was his son in that show, in that movie. Well, they, they redid it, just called it Vacation. And it's Russ, the son, grown up. And it's a different actor this time. And actually, he was very good. I can't remember his name. But he was in the office. And he, he was really funny. It's actually a very funny movie. And he wants to recreate that, that trip that they had as a family to bring his family closer together. Well, his one son is a pussy. I mean, the older boy is just as, eh, boy. And the younger one's a bully. So neither of them are good. Uh, but the younger one's a bully. But the funniest part in that whole movie to me is the older son does say something stupid. I don't remember what it was, but he really says something fucking stupid. The younger son reaches over, they're sitting in the back seat next to each other. He reaches over, punches him in the ribs, so he kind of bends down, and an open hand slaps him in the face and says, stop saying stupid shit. And it cracked me up. I'm like, I want to do that so bad. I want to pop somebody and then slap him in the face and say, stop saying stupid shit. And I kept looking for it and kept looking for it, and Ricky was in my kitchen, and he said something stupid. I don't remember what it was. I told my wife, watch this, watch this. And I reached, I was kind of coming from behind him. I, I opened him, and popped him on the ribs. I didn't want to hurt him, but I popped him on the ribs, so he kind of bent down, I reached around, slapped him on the face, and said, stop saying stupid shit. And he whipped around on me like he was going to stab me, and all I could do was laugh so hard, I almost peed myself. It cracked me up so hard. My wife was laughing so hard too, and he's like, and he was mad. I mean, he was mad because I touched his face, which is which is for him to talk about. But for me, I, I told him this. This is, I'll leave it. At this This is what I told him later. I mean, this was. I mean, twenty minutes later, he's still like, oh, man, come on, man. I'm like, dude, that is the dumbest fucking button to have because somebody's gonna hit it. You know me. If I know you have an issue, I will not intentionally push that issue because it's for you to deal with, especially with that kind of reaction where you're going to carry anger, it's going to do no good, but your button is on the surface, man, on the surface. I did something fun that was a little offensive, sure. I mean, a lot of people get, (gasps) when you get popped in the face, and it wasn't a hard pop, but it's a pop, and you know. It happens. It, and it's going to happen in life. And I've been slapped in anger before, and it, it will make me mad fairly quickly when it's anger. But it's anger on anger. You know, what can I say? But this was out of fun. And you know, if I'd known you had an issue about your face, which, come on, seriously, you need to toughen the fuck up. But if you had an issue about your face, I went in, But that, I said, dude, that's a dangerous button half because it's right there on the surface. And if I can hit it by accident, no pun intended. <laughs> then somebody else is going to it's going to ruin things what happens when you're in a fight with with your girlfriend and and in the south that's what women are taught to do you slap men in the face. you know tv shows us women throwing drinks in men's face and and slapping them stuff that's a female thing to do that is taught to us by our society you know what's going to happen then when that happens in an actual fight you know, or, or now, now I know your weakness. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. But it, it may honestly, it made me want to slap him again just to see his face. His, his reaction was so ridiculously absurd, it cracked me up. So bringing that back around to my wife, so one night, and I'll go ahead and tell you this is the this show is not safe for work, and there's some things you'll figure out about me along. I like my alcohol, I like some vices. Uh, I will smoke some weed, like nobody's business. I, I use it at night to get to get uh, relaxed, and it it takes away the stress of the day. That does make me happy because I can be sitting there thinking about. The different things I need to do for my network or, or what happened at one of my gigs or what's going on in the family, I can be curing any sorts of, of stress or burden in the day and I can get high and it's just like, it's like a backpack. I took it all off, set it down and none of it matters right now. I can hang out with my wife and watch some TV or I can talk about life and not, you know, get into a good discussion and, and avoid the anger and the stress that it brings and I can go to sleep without my mind thinking about a million different things. And so we were watching, uh, we were watching something I forget. And I was high, and I, I said something that was fun. It was supposed to be funny. It was stupid, but it's supposed to be funny. And I, I, we're both laughing. We're both laughing. And every once in a while, I'll get into those sta- standard TV laughing fits when you're high. And I was not quite there and she reached over out of nowhere, punched me in the stomach, slapped me fairly hard in the face with stop saying stupid shit. And I God I had tears of joy coming down my face because I had not at that point been able to do it to anybody and never saw it coming. All of a sudden, my wife punches me and slaps me and tells me to stop saying stupid shit. And I, and I am just crying. Literally, I can't catch my breath. I'm laying over on the side of the couch and all I can squeeze out was I love you so much right now. And she's just laughing at how hard I'm laughing and I could not get over her. At that moment in my life, I loved her like I had never loved her before it was just so perfect and I'm laughing so hard and I was I just I couldn't between the breaths and the laughter I I squeezed out how much I loved her how that was so awesome and we we laughed what felt like for 20 minutes just on that and even the next day just brought me so much joy I was like I I love that you saw something that i loved and you did it knowing that i would not see it coming and knowing that it'd be hilarious it's almost like living in tv every once in a while we will have tv moments and i do i love my entertainment i love watch i consume media and i don't get to do it nearly as much i'm not the galactus of media that i used to be where i would just just 8-10 8-10 hours a day just watch things. I am I was working a job that was mind-numbing and it was making reports and it was sitting at computers with multiple screens. So I'd have TV up on one doing my report on the other and I would just spend 8 hours just consuming TV shows and movies and just learning from them and getting experiences and that's I do love that stuff. And so to have those TV moments sometimes like that is just... If somebody were watching my reality TV show, it would be that perfect produced moment that was totally produced and unscripted. I I have a running dialogue in my head similar to to, um, uh, Fred Savage had that show. I can't think of it right now. But I do. I, I talk to myself mentally quite often. There's so many stories in my head that probably will never get shared of experiences to the minutia of things and it 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 keeps me able to to work in the world because having these conversations with myself having those thoughts just watching the the story that is my life sometimes it allows me to be ready for things that are crazy and it allows me to be able to handle the the dull and the mundane which i avoid more and more now these days I, I, and just so you know, uh, I think it came up on an earlier show. Somebody put out a quote. I, I can't find it now. I need to try to dig through. My Instagram is where I think I saw it uh, because it's definitely a meme. But it was one of those quote memes. And it was something along the lines of playing nice only prolongs the inevitable or playing nice only prolongs uh, the agony or something like that. And it's one of those moments. It was a Matrix moment when I went to see the Matrix I think it was opening weekend. It was just a fluke I went to see it. It changed my world because I had been struggling with concepts of of the church and struggling with with conflicting things of this is what I know to be true. This is you let's use the church for example. You say you love but then you hate. You know, I, I so I was dealing with those things and I saw The Matrix and it was the concepts of the Matrix of of changing your mindset, of seeing how Neo was literally taken out of a false world, put into the real world, but then going back into the false world, had the power. And even then, though, it's all about his brain. It's all about the way he thought. Maybe this was, was my setup to, to learning about the secret or about using our words and how we really speak our lives. And if God truly made us in our image and he spoke the universe, how are we not speaking our universe. Yeah, that's 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 a discussion that really gets me going and can and can make me happy to talk about. But that's neither here nor there right now. But I have, I, I do I, I love those moments in life. And but sometimes they're not all good. So what well, I, I think I said earlier, I love being recognized. I've loved that from an early age, I guess, because I've been so felt like, felt like. I've been so ignored and I mean I was bullied by many different people as a, kid. as a kid. I mean, I just had this, isol- felt like an isolated lifestyle. Some of it was, uh, uh, what's it called when there's a bubble around you? Um, uh, my Sheltered. Some of it, I-, I was somewhat sheltered. Not a lot. Uh, not as much as, I mean, I thought it was a lot at the time when I broke out and I was angry. I thought I was angry at my parents because they sheltered me, but as I've grown and, and dealt with life and paid attention and that's the key to life. And the key to being happy is paying attention and understanding. Life goes on. I'm going to give you the secret to that in a minute. I'm going to write that down. Life goes on because I want to come back to that to end this show because that is the key to happiness right there. And I'm going to tell you about that in a few minutes. But as I pay attention to life and I see other kids in similar situations to mine or, or definitely worse situations than mine, I realize I had, my parents naturally wanted to protect me. And I I feel that for my kids. But I've learned that protection comes in the form of knowledge and understanding. And instead of hiding my kids from an ugly world or an ugly world for my kids, I really try to brace them and give them little bits. It's almost like uh, vaccinations, right? You give a little bit of the bad stuff to let the body build up an immunity to it. And you do it over time. And then all of a sudden, the bad stuff can't hurt the body anymore. So I try to do that with my children is, is when I see opportunities that I would say, okay, I would hide you from this. Instead, it, depending on the opportunity, I explain things. My son, on his own, watched uh, The Do-Over, which is an Adam Sandler movie, Netflix original. And there's plenty of Adam Sandler stuff in it. Now he watched it uh without my permission and he he did it on his own. And of course Netflix doesn't have a rating system. And my wife was like, Oh, you know, she's all I was like, I don't know. I asked him about it. I said, How was it? What what went on? he goes, Oh, it's fine. That's what I told it's fun, it's fine, it's all right. Okay. So I later I watched it because I'm an Adam Sandler fan. And as I'm watching it, I realized there's a there's oh wait, no, let me back up. Let me back up. So before I watched it, i talked to him about watching things i said look me you know he he went with me to trivia one night i do try to take my kids to see what i do for a living and to teach them to be outgoing and outspoken and those kind of things and so he went with me to trivia, and we had that one-on-one time in the car and we're talking about things and this was shortly after he had watched the movie but i had not seen it yet and i gave him the basic principle of tv i said here's what i grew up with it was i was told never to watch this and my parents thought they knew most of everything i watched and And every once in a while I get caught with something they didn't approve of and I have to lie my way out of it. Here's what I'm going to tell you as a father. I realize I cannot control what you watch. I realize that there will be plenty of opportunities and times that you go see things. And now especially with tablets and Xboxes and media everywhere. That I can set some limits, but there's going to be ways around it. I cannot control what you watch, how. So here's the advice I'm going to give you. And I want you to come talk to me about anything you're not sure of. But rule number one is, and this is good for life. for If you want to stay happy, people, this is good for you. Rule number one is if you're not sure you should be watching it, don't watch it. It's not a rules thing. It's not what I approve thing. It's a feeling thing. It's like, I don't know. Then turn it off. Trust yourself. Turn it off. Secondly, as a kid, as my child, if you're not sure you're supposed to be watching it, turn it off and come talk to me about it. We'll look at it and I'll explain maybe why you shouldn't or yeah, sure, go right ahead. I'll help get rid of that uneasy feeling of no, 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 that's fine. So that's rule number one. And for you to apply to yourself, not for me to control you, but here's a guideline. Guideline number one. If you don't feel right watching it, turn it off. Secondly, you have to be careful out there there will be things that once you have seen you cannot unsee i said that's a rule of the internet once it has been seen it cannot be unseen and there will be things that will mess you up that you're not ready for that you shouldn't see because you're not ready and i didn't tell him about this but i was specifically thinking about i was 16 or 17 when pulp fiction came out maybe a little younger but i think i was in that i'd say between 15 and 20 is when I got around to watching Pulp Fiction and that middle story, where Zed's dead and the GIMP. Oh my God, I was not ready for that. I had no idea what the hell a GIMP was and Jesus effing Christ. No, you know, I that that story I did not like, I was not ready for, and it fucked me up. And I was like, I mean, it left me, uh, yeah, and 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 yeah, it was not cool, man. And so I was thinking of that when I said, Look. There'll be times when you get into something you think you're ready for, it, and it'll come at you and you're not ready for it. There's a reason things are ready R. are. Not always, you know, for bad reasons, not always for good reasons, but you have to be careful and you have to start looking for signs. And so, you yeah, know, I told him this, not even thinking about Adam Sandler and some of the stuff he thinks is funny. That sometimes I think it's funny, sometimes it's not. And in the middle of the do over, there's a three way scene with two guys and a girl, and it's done comedically, and there's uh zero graphic a little bit there's inferred graphicness to it and i'm like thinking you know he is 11 his brain is not going to comprehend what the hell three-way is you know this and that and the other and then they did the this nasty scene where (laughs) this guy was dripping balls literally on to the other guy And it's like it it was funny in the sense of the movie but i'm thinking you know he just saw that he doesn't understand what's fully going on and so I had another talk about it. It's like, hey, this is why you don't watch stuff. You didn't tell me about this stuff. You didn't tell me about some of the stuff that went on in the movie. I don't even know that you understand it. And the fact that you're not coming in and asking me about it, that's what bothers me. Because I can help you understand a little bit of it to the point you can't understand things. But if all you're going to do is watch stuff and then just bother, it's going to fuck you up, man. It's going to give you the wrong idea about things. It's going to mess you up. You need to talk. I'm not exactly sure at this point why I got on that track about uh, being happy. But, you know, staying, the rules for watching TV and, and talking to people, lack of control actually makes me happy now. Because I've tried to control so long, so hard, that I just had a moment the other day. Okay, Somehow I really feel this inside of me. Somehow it, it ties to that switch that hit the other day with playing nice only prolongs the agony. I'm gonna just change it for now until I can find the quote. Playing nice only prolongs the agony of the inevitable. Because when we play nice, it's going against who we are. When we play nice, it's it's saying, uh it, oh, T V moments. You know what? I'll get back to playing nice because I I feel I, I want to get back to this one story I told. So not all the T V moments in my life are good. <laughs> I do love being recognized. And it's taken me a long time to come back around to putting out pictures and people loving it and commenting in that interaction i know that got me off on another story about interaction earlier but when i see people that i truly love and respect as artists as, as creators and they go oh man i really like what you're doing here this this is a really cool photo because i, I conceptualize something i'm just sitting there in the moment going this would be kind of nifty and i make it happen And the particular picture I'm talking about is I took three pictures of the same view out a window that I had where I was sitting hosting karaoke. There's a traffic light there that I can capture that course goes green, yellow, red in the U.S. And I was able to really isolate a good red color and make the red pop. So everything else is black and white, but the red of the light and the red of the uh, stoplight, the taillights of the cars really pops. And so I found a good green because getting the green isolated from the light itself was a little too difficult. It wasn't capturing enough green for me. So I found a green on my computer. I think I even Googled green, and it just popped up a green tile. And I isolated that color tile, then took the photo, did the same thing with yellow. And then I had this other app from Instagram that is uh, like a collage. I forget what they call it, but it basically gives you the ability to put different pictures together. it's a great tool. I love it and i was able to take the three of the same picture and put green at the top yellow in the middle and red on the bottom as it is in the u.s and just line it up in a way that really made me happy and i was very very happy with this picture and i'm like god i love this app this viv app i know i went on about it earlier but i love it because it gave me the ability to do what i wanted to do there to see something wow this would be kind of a cool idea And so I put the the picture out there, but I put a lot of pictures out there. People don't respond to most of them actually. And that one got some comments about, man, I love how this is composed. I love how you put this together. These pictures are really, really cool. It's those moments of validation that, that probably make me the happiest. I don't know. No, I think that, you know, when my wife gets me and I get her and we have those moments that, that makes me super happy, you know, um, there there are definitely other connections with my wife that that make me super happy when it's cuz it's not just about sex and marriage. And people, you know what? I heard this the other day. This this actually irritated me. Somebody was joking about somebody getting married. It was at a gig and I had nothing to do with the conversation, so I didn't say anything. But somebody was joking about uh after the first it's something about marriage being irrelevant. You know, uh you know, I forget, like the second your marriage is irrelevant or something like that, and somebody joked, "Oh, you know, sixteen years of marriage is irrelevant," or and they were, you know, making that negative comment about how marriage is stupid and this and that and the negative. And, and they were older white guys. It wasn't like some young people trying to be anarchist or anything. It was, it, it was that negative of, "I hate my marriage" kind of thing in a funny way. And I've been married sixteen years. Okay, I've, we've been together for sixteen years and uh, whatever. My wife corrects me. I've been we've been married fifteen, but still. It is not irrelevant. I mean, there's times when we are more connected than ever at 16 years. And to me, that's what it should be. Yeah, there's times when there's just sex and it's sex. But there's times when it's what you see on the TV, man, what you're watching. Watch, if you you know you look up that naughty stuff, it's some of that, too. It's like your relationship should be progressing through your marriage. And it makes me so happy to sit here and tell you mine does Mine progresses that at 16 years and four kids with school year, man, my wife stays super tired. She gets up at 630 in the morning and I've tried to help her. It throws her day off. She doesn't like it. She's okay. And every once in a while, she's too tired. She will ask me, will you take the boys? Absolutely. I will get up, take them to school because I can come back to bed. That's something i been able to do for a long time. I can come back and go to sleep. With her, it throws her off. She, she wants to get up. She wants to be the one to take them. And then she thinks, "Oh man, there's so much I can do." And and sometimes she does it, but there's definitely times she doesn't go to bed early enough either, you know. And that'll throw her off. Um, it, it, it's the thing. But during the school year, she's so tired, and that doesn't even throw us off. I mean, it'd be too easy to get into a rut, and we've hit those ruts of, of, of just not being together. I mean, just sitting on the couch. And I actually had a conversation with her last year, going, "I don't feel like you have time for me." you make time for everything else and it's not just sex because sex needs to be together it doesn't need to be oh let's just do this i mean it has to I, I i'll be honest i want to be wanted being desired makes me very happy on many different levels you want me to come speak that makes me happy you want me to shed light on your life that's one of the reasons i do this show it makes me happy because i feel like I'm making a difference. Sharing my life will make a difference in your life. And the fact that you're listening to this, that you desire to hear more of it, that makes me happy. You know, definitely being attractive to people makes me happy. And being sexually desired makes me happy. And I'm 38 years old, and it should keep making us happy. And the fact that we we, had that conversation with her, just, I said, I'm not saying we need to do about it. I'm not saying it's negative, but here's how I feel. And I would like to know how you feel. And you just... Sometimes just putting things out into the universe, having those conversations will change things. And it has. It has made us stronger and better. And getting through reality, people, getting through reality. So when we, we had our third child, it was very – actually, I think when we had our second child, It's very hard on us physically because we were so exhausted all the time. And because we weren't – until you go through it and build up that immunity and think better – of how to do things and come up with better ways to do things instead of what we've been told by TV and society and our parents and books and whatever else. Until you come up with better ways, you just go through, and that existence is is tiresome. But once we got past it, and then we had our second set of kids, we knew from the first time, oh, life will get better. You know, when you're going through a brand-new experience, which I love brand-new experiences, so I can get to that side and go, I know what's going to go on now, woo! You know, New experiences make me happy, and even when they're hard and difficult. I remember specifically just her being grumpy all the time. And I guess I was grumpy too, even though I just see it in her, I'm sure I was grumpy all the time too at that point. And we were just exhausted, which is a whole different level of being tired. And but we knew we, we got through that experience. And we got to when they were three and four years old and doing more on their own. And we you know, we life adjusted and we adjusted to it. We learned, oh, now here's a new set of life here's a new stage so when we had the second set we knew temporarily we'd be exhausted it'd be hard it gave us more patience for each other knowing that there's going to be a good side to it gave us more patience so going through a 16 year marriage yeah there's been ups and downs right yeah there's been bad times and good times and there's been non-sex times and woohoo sex times. <laughs> lots of people have that when they're young i mean when they're dating or when they're they're first married that's when and then it kind of just goes downhill and that's the joke right oh you get married you stop doing certain things you stop this and stop that and and god it's been so sad to meet people who felt the need to share that in their relationship they're at the hallway sex where they pass each other in the hallway go fuck you fuck you they keep on going that dude one that you need to share that with me a virtual stranger i mean i knew him kind of but i wasn't like that with him i wasn't friends with him at all you shared that with me thanks for oversharing and to get the fuck out of that marriage because yeah or do something about it asshole you know either way but that's another show <laughs> but I love being recognized I want to get back to my TV story so my TV story is at some point in my life after feeling ignored after feeling that I could be great and I've said this line I'm destined for greatness and after dealing with this through all my teenage years and, and finally getting to a new place right and and here's the thing i was watching the wrong tv for a while i watched oh my god i watched like 16 candles and you name it every underdog story in the 80s and even through the 90s i saw it and identified yeah here's the problem the reason it's the wrong tv is when you identify with the underdog you feel like a loser and you act like a loser because that's that's the part your brain doesn't grab from those movies is up until the last fucking 10 minutes of the movie they're acting like a loser they're they're the the guy that and this was mine they're, they're the guy that, that wants the girl and we're the friends with the girl but she's going after the hot guy and well in the end of the movie they get the girl but because the unreality of that is that suddenly because of a script they acted differently they said something differently. They stepped up and said, no, I'm the guy who's going to be there for you. No, I'm the, the one who's always been here for you. It's not magic, people. It's not how that works. And so that's what I identified with. And so I went to college. And I'm a new person there because they didn't know me. And I and I used that catalyst of going to a place where I wasn't known to change certain behaviors, certain aspects of my behavior, certain aspects of my personality and embrace that people follow me. And and they... they They are fans, for lack of better words. And I started using that, right? I started, you know, having different groups of friends, and and that's how I did things, and this, and the other. And I was in this gymnasium. I've never told this story before. I was in, in this gymnasium, and... It was like this free-for-all thing for college students as a mixer. And you have to understand, too, I was at a, I went to school. It's Bob Jones University, if you want to look it up. But it's very fundamentalist Christian. And it it's very <laughs> rules of guys don't go around girls and this and that and the other. And only certain areas and certain times could, could the two sexes Uh, be together socially and you sure enough can't touch each other blah blah blah. this was a night that you could sign up for i can't remember if i had to pay for it or not but you got to go and hang out and for lack of better words play with girls and then we're in college you know and there was you know different different things to do and have fun with and whatever and i got this this again a bad tv moment in my mind of of People who liked me and they did, they they liked me and they they loved me and and I don't know what I was thinking, but I'm I'm up, I'd climbed up on the bleachers, weren't out, so I climbed up on the bleachers and I'm sitting there and with some people and everybody's like, oh that's kind of cool, look, you know, I went by Dozer then, uh, hey Dozer's up there, it's a, oh you and I got in this mind, I just stood up and look, I mean as loud as all get out in this place, right, and I stood up and I screamed my own name. Like a TV moment, like, you know, people chant for you. But I did it for myself. <laughs> and I stood up. I looked, and luckily for me, nobody fucking saw that. Nobody. Because immediately I went, well, that was the dumbest shit I've ever done in my life. And I felt so stupid and so retarded for that. Um, because I was seeking that happy moment of recognition in a stupid movie kind of way. And that's what that's what people do when they show out when they're when they're overly egotistical when they're and this is all for my own life Okay, so when they when they sh- when they're too loud, they're always having to be funny They're always having to be on they're always having to be egotistical it's because we're looking for or at least I was Actual validation, but I wasn't doing anything to be validated. I wasn't creating anything artistically. I wasn't having Words that change people's lives. I wasn't doing any of that stuff and so, that all my TV moments go well, but to be able to walk in in the last couple of years into Dragon Con and come in as a professional podcaster. was I was a professional podcaster before I set foot in Dragon Con, ever. And to go in and to just do what I do, which is ask questions. And, and here's something else that really, 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 really makes me happy, is to see other people succeed and to see other people step up and hit that ball out of the park. And if I can ask a question that leads you there and see you shine, that's, I love that. You know, uh, it is a question from my own knowledge, but it's also, I don't know, I always have this energy of, man, here's, here's, I'm pitching a ball to you, and it's in such a way that hopefully you'll knock it out of the park, I'll get the answer I'm looking for, and you will shine. And sometimes there's whiffs, and I feel bad about that, and it's, it's never intentional, but honesty and reality are what i live in and and if you're not there you're not there but i was able to walk in the the dragon con the first year nobody knew me pretty much literally nobody knew me there and i had to introduce myself to people and i would just ask questions and by the end of it i had people going hey why don't you ask one of your questions do that do that get up there uh and then by the second year i got one panel I, I I pitched a panel and I put it together and they said, yep, this sounds like a good idea. We're going to let you do this one panel. And uh, I'm sitting there at the panels and I remember <laughs> clearly Brian Dunaway, who was the co-director at the time. He's the director now, but he was the co-director at the time. He wrote a note and handed it to me. And I'm sitting there. I read it. And it said, get up and ask some questions. This thing is basically this thing is, is stalling. I need you to do your thing and I went well shit that's cool I like that you know and I realized that it was it is one of my things that I can go and I can ask a question that'll get a conversation started and I can ask it in such a way that gets stories going and helps people and so I did I got up and asked a question sure enough it jump-started the car and off they went and that was all I needed to do I don't need recognition there I don't need to shine see that's one of my better moments you I don't need to be recognized and actually, I take that back. I take that back. It's it's I, I'm There are times when I need to be recognized, and those are, are not the moments that make me the happiest. I, you know, if I need validation and I get it, it's never quite as sweet as not needing it and getting a ton of it. And that's... So now, you know, and then the, the, the next year of, of Dragon Con, my third year of Dragon Con, I did, I don't know how many panels, three or four panels. I think this year... I've been doing a lot more. This year, I get to be on the kickoff panel, which is, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but every time I've seen it, it's been the big-name people, the the professional podcasters, the guys who are going to set the tone, ladies too, the men and women who are going to set the tone for this entire four-day weekend for the podcasting track. This is it, and I get to be on that panel this year. That's where I've gotten. That that makes me so happy because I look at going, so I question myself. I do. I question myself on what I'm doing sometimes. Am I really great? I know I'm great. I know I'm awesome. And, and especially now that I've worked so hard to validate myself, to prove to myself, this I can do this, I can do that. Uh, it, it makes me very, very happy. But to have people come up like they did last year and ask me more questions and want to know more about me That is something I never expect, and that is something I absolutely love. And then before I get to life goes on, the last thing I want to talk about about what I love, what makes me happy, is the little things in life. Man, it's boxes. It's boxes just showing up at my house. This is why every year when my birthday comes up, which is September 21st, by the way, and starting right after Dragon Con in September, you'll start seeing me post my Amazon wish list because I know people love to give. I love to give. Mike can tell you that. You know, I, I will make sure the people I love get the stuff that that I makes me think of them. I love to give and help people. I love receiving, man. I love when a random box shows up at my door and it's got something cool in it. I love new gadgets. I love new toys. Yesterday, I just got my Mevo, M-E-V-O, and it's a $400 camera that I got for $300 because I pre-ordered it. And it happened to come during tax time. It's one of those moments in life that was meant to be. It's weird because I don't go looking for these things. I'm not a camera kind of guy, typically. I like my microphone. I like my audio. And I look for tools that help me with my production-level stuff. But cameras, why I shine on camera, I do fine on camera, it's never quite gotten me the audience that speaking straight into a microphone has. But I I was sitting here with tax money for the business and going, what do I invest in? And, of course, I'm saving some, and I'm making plans for some, and this and that and the other, and I saved a whole bunch of money. And this ad popped up for Get Mevo, M-E-V-O. And it was this camera, and it did exactly what I wanted to do. It gave me a streamable, recordable camera that works off of my iphone or ipad that lets me be a director and take shots and zoom in and pan out and i was like oh my god i want to do this and because it was a hundred dollars less in market price to invest early i did it came yesterday i ordered this back in february i pre-ordered maybe early march and it came yesterday and knowing it was coming you know i'm watching the tracking on it and i'm never getting i prepare myself because there's delays and things happen and And before, I've watched tracking, and it got me depressed. Well, I only wanted to be happy with this. you know. So I'm like, okay, it can be delayed. I know it's going to. I've waited this many months. I can wait however long more. It's cool. And it shows up, and it's a box. I just love opening boxes, even when I know what's in it. And sure enough, man, I just could not get enough of playing with this. And there wasn't much to play with yesterday because I I streamed this on my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash bearcrawling. And you can find me under Charles McFall. And it's there, and it, it and people interacted with it, and it was so much fun. It was, and basically when the test was over, I was like, oh, well, I guess i got to go now because the test is over, and, and it's going to do a lot of fun things. I'm going to take it to Dragon Con, but just getting boxes. When I when I on From the Helicarrier two years ago, I think it was, two years ago, I went to Dragon Con. I went to the shop, which is a pain in the ass. There's so many people in the shop area of Dragon Con. And getting through that crowd is hard. And a couple of places were selling Funko Pops. And I like bobbleheads. I like the collectibles. And I want just specific things. I collect specific things. That's why I have an Amazon wish list. And I went to one of the stores that had it, and they had this exclusive Deadpool, and that exclusive Deadpool, and this. I'm like, I just want regular red Deadpool. That's that's all I want, man. And I couldn't find it. And in, in recounting the story on From the Helicarrier, I said that a few weeks later, the guy who ultimately, well, okay, he was Travis Jones, but the, the guy who ultimately became Travis Jones, the Blazing Defender Report on the Giant Size Team Up Network, he was just this guy on Twitter who liked our show. And he direct messaged me. He's like, hey, man, is this the, the one you're talking about? He took a picture of one on the shelf at a Target or somewhere. It's like, yeah, that's that's it. He goes, yeah, I'll get it for you. No problem. Just give me your address. I'm like, no, you don't have to do that. It's, it's cool, man. I appreciate it. He goes, no, 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 I'll do it. So I gave him my address, and he, he sent it to me, and it shows up. And I'm just, I'm just like a child, man, I'm just so happy. That moment, that moment is what makes me so happy that somebody saw something and thought of me and got me something. And it, it never is about the cost of it. It's never about the price. It's about you thought of me and you got me something. And that box shows up on my doorstep. I cannot tell you. I mean, when my kid's school stuff comes, I get giddy. And it's just school books. I'm like, it's a box of stuff for us to do stuff with. I love that, and I put that out every year at Christmas and every year at my birthday. I'll put out uh, my Amazon wish list, and it's always there. It's public, and you, you can uh, search me on Amazon, bearcrawling at gmail.com, and it should pop up, and And I love that stuff. So the last thing I want to talk about, the secret to happiness that I, t- I touched on in the middle of this is life goes on. And this is something that helped me. God, it helped me get rid of so much anger. It helped me get rid of so much control, and I'm seeing now that it's helped me with the the whole not playing nice thing has helped as well but it's when i don't have to be angry i can just be factual about things and i want to talk about life goes on i'm gonna get to the factual part and then we'll wrap up my wife uh was trying to be helpful with somebody we had this very quick story is when I was a, a full-time paramedic, I got called to this place called the Horse Park in Conyers. And it is literally that. It's, it's where they did all the equestrian stuff for the Olympics in 96. It was built for that, but it, it's a huge place that they do horse shows and rodeos and all kinds of different things. And it's the Horse Park. I mean, that's what the name is. And we go out there for possible birth of a baby. I'm like, all right, what the hell's going on here? Well, I get out of the truck, and literally somebody meets me at the truck with a bundle and just puts it in my arms and I go, this is a baby. And all right, let's and turn around and get back in the truck. And long story short is it was an illegal immigrant who was working for this family who did horse stuff. And she was living with them and taking care of her kid. And she bless her heart. <laughs> that's the Southern thing. Bless her heart. Meaning yeah, she was fairly stupid. She had no idea about pregnancy and no idea about, I'd say ignorant. Stupid is you make bad choices Ignorant is you don't know, and you you just don't have that world experience, or you live in such a tiny world that you ignore things and don't go, I should get checked out for that, especially if you're an illegal immigrant and possibly afraid for your life. You're not going to go to the doctor if it's, if you don't think you're going to die, because they might not treat you. They might treat you badly. You might get deported. I mean, that could happen. So you got all these fears. Anyway, she went through the whole nine months. Not knowing she was pregnant, you know, she thought she just had bad, you know, stomach stuff going on. Went to the bathroom. I, I'm not exactly sure if the baby hit the toilet. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Somebody, some first responder that was already there, cut the cord. And I just, my heart reached out to her, which was rare, especially in those days. I was exposed to so much medical stuff and so many negative situations. And my heart went out to her. And the long story short is, we. We wanted to help her and the baby. So we gave her a place to live because she was in such a bad situation. I believe I might have been played for a point. But we were trying to help. And my wife was trying to get her to this appointment at the Medicare office to get stuff for the baby. You know, we needed any help we could get to help with the baby to get formula and diapers and food and healthy stuff we were going to do because this girl didn't have a job anymore and she's illegal and we were going to try to help her get her legal and this and that and the other and, and things went sideways but my wife was speeding long story long my wife was speeding got pulled over uh, and i think she got a ticket and in that point in life i had been i yeah she got a ticket and this is why life goes on in that point in life I had been such a dick about it because she sped all the time and I worked on the ambulance and I was like the opposite of speeding because too many people wanted to get into my truck and drive fast because that's what you do in an ambulance. And oh my God, lights and sirens. No, 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 no. Safety, bitch. Safety. Lights and sirens are a please and thank you. They're to ask people to get out of our way. And the only reason we get there faster is because we don't have to wait. We don't speed because that's dangerous and kills people. And it was such a battle I had to fight every day at work with different people. And I was fighting with her, and she didn't want to hear it. And I'm like, the speed limit's 55. She's doing 70. I'm like, you're doing 70. That's going to get your license suspended. And, and the way I handled it was wrong. I was being an ass about it. I was being controlling about it. But it led up to a lesson, and she needed to learn lessons, and what she learned is what she learned, but I'm going to talk about the lesson I learned. So she's helping this girl, and she's speeding, and she got a ticket, and she didn't want to tell me about it. She knew she had to because I had to help her pay it, and she knew she did wrong, and I was a dick about it i mean i lectured her i was mad for two or three days but finally on on the last day it was two or three i don't know but on the last day i i'm still carrying this anger about it and i'm thinking i we had been working we'd already worked through a lot of dark stuff at that point we'd already worked through a lot of our issues we'd gone through the worst part of our marriage before this already and we're working on things and so I thought to myself, I want to be happy with her and I'm not, I'm just angry with her all the time right now. And I want to be happy with her. What would I do if it was reversed? If it were reversed and I got the ticket, what would I want her to do? I'd want her to treat me as a human being. And then I realized I wasn't treating her with the common courtesy of a human being, much less my wife, the love of my life. But I'd want her to treat me as a human being. And I'd want her to understand that life goes on yeah this happened it was a thing let's learn from it and life goes on and that phrase turned me around and i apologized to her for being a dick and i said all those words to her about life goes on and that's how i want to treat you and i never said it again about the the ticket I never brought it up again and l- released my anger and what has happened to now, let's talk about not playing nice. What has happened to now is I see her going through a lot of stuff I went through then and through other parts of my life of dealing with the control and the anger and the frustration and recognizing it and going, man, this sucks. I wish I could just help her. I wish I could just tell her my stories and they'd fix her. And it won't. She's too close to it. And honestly, when you're in the midst of it, maybe a story from a stranger like you, listener, hopefully. Or listening to me sometimes a a story from a stranger an experience that resonates and then helps you out that will get you out but your family your your husband your wife your your loved ones it's very difficult for you for me okay follow me here i'm just gonna say it for me but it's very difficult for me to open up my ears and go yeah you know what you're right because we're with them all the time. We see the negative about them, we see the good about them, but it's hard to see the change about them. That's hard to see how they grow up and change. And sometimes it's hard to accept that they do things differently than us. And so I know my stories and my words will help her a little bit. And every once in a while I'll slide one in when the moment is right. But for the most part, I have to sit back and be patient and understand that she's getting there. But what she's struggling with is that concept of life goes on. Because so once you can get that, once you get that and you realize, my uncle, I'm going to use my uncle as an example. Yeah, my uncle died, and I was sad for the loss of my life, but life goes on. We get happy again. We, we move on without that person. Death is for the living. Man, and that, that's, that's something that may come out again later. It's not a whole show or anything, but it's something that my, a concept might talk about, about grief and death. But after all the different deaths I've seen, being a paramedic and in, in my own personal life, I'm not grown numb to it. I've grown to the fact that, while yes, I, I cried for a day when my uncle died because the loss of his life in my life was sad. Life goes on. He's gone. Life goes on. My wife got a ticket. Life goes on. Oh, I don't want the, and here's the, the plain speaking thing. Just the other day, we had one of the neighbors come in, and they knocked on the door uh, to see if, if my kids wanted to play with their kids, and they usually do. And my wife left the door, or we have a screen door, but she left the main door up and said, all right, let me go ask Crosby, because she was the one home at the time. And she yelled down to the basement and asked Crosby. "Crosby's going to be up in a minute. While I was in the back doing something, while I came out of my room, one of these neighbor kids, unsupervised, is in my daughter's room playing in my daughter's jewelry box. Now, I don't think anything malicious, but hell no. You know, I think he's just a kid being a kid is what I'm saying. But my response is, hell no. So I went, very spot. I said, hey, you don't need to be here. You need to go. And she goes, what? I said, no, you don't need to be here. You need to go. And out she went. And my wife had no idea. I mean, this little girl, her dad didn't even know where the hell she was, which is kind of a bad dad moment, but that's neither here nor there. He had no idea where she was. She just went into our house, unasked, unsupervised. Nobody knew she was there and was just playing, but getting into stuff. And I went, nope, I will speak plainly. That I hate that. Nope, you got to go. And out she went. No harm, no anger and when I told my wife about it, she got a little angry. But the plain speaking, the life goes on moment here is, well, okay. No, nope, they don't need to be here. They're not allowed to play in this house. I'm good. I'm not here to raise your, own, your kids. And that's playing nice, right? I've done that. I've played nice before and done that. Where it's like... <sighs> man, I want, my, I want my kids to play with your kid because I want them to have friends. And so I'm going to play nice even though your kid's a fucking asshole who destroys my shit. I really don't want them around. I'm not going to tell you that because I want to smile to your face and go, okay, they can play. Nah, that's sure. And you're, no, no. Playing nice prolongs the inevitable of the agony or the agony of the inevitable. No more playing nice. Because life goes on. Because as long as you're playing, nice, life doesn't go on. You're holding on to that dark moment. You're holding on to that grief. What makes me happy is to go, no, you can't play here. I'm not here to raise your kids. You're here to raise your kids. And if you get mad at me, hit the road, Jack. I don't care. Life goes on, baby. You will still be there to raise your kids. I've got enough to deal with here. You hear the happiness in my voice, Mikey? You hear the happiness in my voice, listener? It's before that story to been, oh my God, they came in. I can't believe he didn't know where they were. And, uh, or, uh, I'm going to have to let them. Play. No, I don't have to do shit. That's the key to happiness. You don't have to do shit, man. Because life goes on. You choose to be in that situation, life keeps moving. And maybe you don't progress. Maybe you don't grow. Maybe you're miserable for a while. Because just because you say no thanks doesn't mean somebody's out of your life permanently. There's a situation with my wife's family where every once in a while and this is a human thing it's a human thing and i had to do it with my parents and people had to do it with me but you get comfortable and you start assuming things right because that's just life you get into your own world and i try very hard and we use mike as an example here i try very hard with mike and my friend angie who does a lot of stuff for me too to not assume hey bark orders you're done right Because Mike will always remind me while we're friends, he works for me. But he has to remind me of that because I'm always, would you please? Thank you for doing that, man. I really appreciate it. It's always a favor to me. And he goes, but I work work for you. It's okay. No, 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 I get that. But I always want it to be you reminding me that you work for me. Or that we work together, even. And never me going, this is what I want you to do. Bam. While that has purpose and I can run a team. Oh, I can run a team and my team is is in the moment where this is going, please and thank you is implied because this is what I need. I've been a director. I'll say, stand by camera one, take camera one. I don't go, Would you please take the shot? No, I can run a team. I can give commands. But when you're working together, when you're a team, a true teamwork team, well, we rely on each other to get this done. There's nothing wrong with acceptance and and saying, I accept that you're a part of my life, and I want you to know that you're a part of that. It's, I can hire people, and I can say, I want you to do this. Here's the money to do that. That's the relationship we have. But when it goes beyond that, please and thank you, because life goes on. It carries on. If I tell, okay, okay, okay we'll go back to what, what the situation is. So there's an assumption, right? We get into these places where we assume this is what's going to go on we don't think we don't have the impetus the the catalyst to go oh wait 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 let me consider all these other options first let me let me think about this i've done that with my wife like oh i want to go do this such as that she goes you're supposed to help me do this with the kids oh shit, i'm sorry because i got into my world of doing shows so i i, I was not even thinking. i just said yes i do this show and i've had to apologize it's a human thing her reminding me saying hey You need to consider me and what's going on in my life, too, before you do all this stuff. That doesn't shut the world down. But we get into this mindset of if we tell somebody no or we set a boundary, they're just going to go away. Well, guess what, people? If they do, you didn't need them. And that's what brings me the happiness right now in my life is going, no, I can I can tell these girls, no, you, you can't be in my house. Sorry. You hear the smile of my voice, people? You hear it? Because before, this is so exciting to me because before, it'd be just so angry. It'd be, oh, I have to get mad and, and draw a line and destroy relationships. No, 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 man, no. You just have to understand. Life goes on. And you don't have to do anything because I can tell people, I've, and Mike has done it to me, I've done it to him. We have a, a Tuesday morning scheduled to record Rock God podcast, Podcasting. One of us go, you know what? I'm not feeling it tomorrow. Let's do it another day. Okay, sure, no problem. Sure, no problem, man. If it doesn't get done this week, it's not the end of the world. I want to do it every week. I love doing this every week. I love speaking to you. This is the closest churches I'm going to get, baby. This is me as close to preaching as I'm ever going to get because I have – You start talking about church, you start talking about organization, it makes my brain twitch. No, no, no. But I do like this. I like coming in. And yeah, for some reason a week goes by we don't get it done, I'm going to miss this. But I do know life goes on. I'll do it next week. I'll find another way to do it. I love Mike to death. I want him to be with me forever and ever and get this done. But sometimes things happen in a good way and he might go off to do some bigger, better, greater, awesome things. And that's okay because somebody else will come along they will be awesome too. And he gets to succeed and I get to succeed. See, it plays into all the different things that make me happy. Find your happiness and protect it. For at first, at first the world will reject you. At first the world will throw rocks. And by your world, I mean the people closest to you as well. For the longest time my wife was was like, you're, you're so blunt, you're rude. I'm like, I'm, I'm. Sometimes I was. She has reason to say that, don't get me wrong. But now, she said it somewhat recently in the last couple months, I think. Uh, she said, your bluntness does work sometimes. I just don't like it. I'm like, yeah, because at this point, this is me reading into it. Because when I do it and I show you the freedom that I have, and it doesn't in the world. And it gets what I want. It goes against these messages that have been granted you since you were a child that you need to get rid of. And it shows you a freedom you don't have. And that, I understand, irritates you. And I got to say that a little bit to where it's like, no, I understand why you don't like it. It's because partially because it goes against what you think the world should do, and that's fine. You might never change that, and that might be what you truly believe. But other part is it shows you a freedom you wish you had because I can say, no, no, that's not going to happen today. Thanks. So I hang up, and it doesn't. I don't lose a lick of sleep over it. And I move on, and you kind of want that. You want that ability. So, find your freedom, find your happiness, man. Because I got to tell you, breathing, that's my final point. And I mean that spiritually, I mean that metaphorically, I mean that intrinsically, I mean it physically. Breathing makes me happy. Being able just to just, yeah, that was, that was, I feel fine. That makes me happy to be able to look at making my bills. I work. I literally, literally work every single night of the week. And that concept a year ago was like, I can't do that. I can't work every single day. But, but because I said, I want to be happy. I want to be the rock God, the true rock God of podcasting. I want The next step in my life is to, to have a business that no matter what I'm doing, sleeping, farting, Smoking weed, hanging out with my family or being on the microphone or flying and, and being on a stage. No matter what I'm doing, I'm making money and I'm happy about it. That's awesome. And because I held on to that and because I held on to that concept, life, life goes on. Man, you can choose to be happy. You can choose to be angry. You could choose, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't. What does that leave you with? Nothing. You can choose that and you'll keep moving forward. Or you can choose uh I will, I do, I want, I'm happy, and you'll get there, and when I, I thought seven days a week would be horrible, I, I do it now, and I'm so I'm much happier than I've ever been, so that's enough, Mike, that's enough, I got to cut off, I got to cut off, because I'll keep coming up with reasons I'm happy and reasons that things go on, because I used to be this angry person, and in dealing with the anger, because underneath I was a happy person, it was, it was. It's hard to explain. I'll, I'll, I'm not ready to explain it yet. I, I just don't have the words yet, but it will. But I carried so much anger, and it did so much bad with it. That as I dealt with it because I wanted to heal, the more I am of who I am came out, and be, the more I accepted who I am, the more happier I got. And honestly, I gotta say one last point because I, I gotta shut up. But damn, one of the things I felt in success Freaks, and I'm not saying. Ricky put this on me. I'm saying I felt it, which might have been I took this on myself. But I never felt I could sh- truly show 100% of who I was there because I had to have a positive message or I had to have something to teach. And I wanted a place just, just to let loose. And honestly, if you don't like it, that's okay. And that's something I felt in Success Freaks was we had to be liked. We had to be liked. Nobody could ever not like us. That was not okay. That was something I felt there and it made me part of who I am. You know, it made me be half a man, if you will. Now that honestly, the way I feel is my wings are unfurled, man. I I am the the big strong visions that you have of angels, that's kind of how I feel right now. I'm just this big, oversized guy with huge wings, and I don't I don't need you to like me. I'm okay with that. If you find anything offensive in this show, maybe you're not ready to hear it, or maybe it's just not for you. I ain't trying to save everybody in this world, baby. I am trying to get the people who can hear me to walk out of the shit that they're in and into the life that I have and show them a better way. And that is like preaching, but that's as close as it's going to get. So I think there... There's where we live. I want your questions. You know, I would not have come up with this question. Mike did. And that's the kind of thing that gets me in a whole different world of talking and sharing stories I've never shared before and concepts that I've never got to talk about. So give me your questions. I need them. Your questions make me happy. Ask me anything, man. Bearcrawling at gmail.com. Rockgodofpodcasting.com. Speak pipes right there. Facebook.com forward slash rock out of podcasting. Go like the page. Give me a question. Ask me something. Tell me something about your life I could talk about. And Twitter's at rock out of pod. I need you to be a part of this, to make this better than it is right now.